my friends, another week is behind us as another opens up in front of us. And it's a grand and wonderful time to give thanks for the wonders of our lives. It's good that we can come together even in this distant fashion so that together we may lift our voices and our hearts to our God. As usual, it takes a village to make this type of worship available to all. So we're thankful for Tamara's eye for detail, Chris and our section leaders for our music this morning, and Scott for making sure it all comes together. There are a few announcements which I'd like to share with you as before we start our time of worship. First and foremost, I ask that you always remember those who are on our prayer list. And I ask that you add to that list T and Wilson Henson on the death of T's brother, Ray Monroe. Next week is Super Bowl Sunday, and you will have an opportunity to bring some canned goods or a donation that we might be helpful to our own food bank. The month of February is Columbia Fellowship Month, and we will be receiving offerings for this program that helps students and help Chris and Tamara as they were in seminary at Columbia. And finally, I wanna thank you for your continued support of this congregation and its work. Your tithes and your offerings are a blessing to us all. Let us worship. The Lord be with you. Ethan is going to open our time of worship with the hymn, The Church of Christ in Every Age. Gracious God, we come to you this day with grateful hearts for the gifts of life and love, for the blessings of those others who inspire us with hope 
and determination. For the small and larger pleasures of each day. For the wonders of modern technology, which opens possibilities for us in this time of social distancing. For opportunities to learn and study together. For the joys of friendship and family. Indeed, God, our lives are full and blessed. We thank you. Even so, God, there are times when we cry out for help, when the sameness of each day just overwhelms us, when the pain of loss brings us to tears, when the joys and pleasures of life seem distant and unattainable. when we seek hope, but find none. In these times, we fall back on familiar words. When I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Because we know that you are with us, we lift our voices in prayer for those who are hungry and need a meal. for those experiencing the pain and struggle of illness and need healing. For those who serve this nation in far distant places here at, and here at home, for those who seek to secure peace, for those who care for the ill and those who teach that we might, that they might have strength, and creativity for the days ahead. All of this and oh so much more, we pray in the name of the one who taught us that we may always come to you praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Psalm this morning, Psalm 92, is a Psalm for the Sabbath day, a Psalm which lifts Thanks and praise to God. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! How profound your thoughts! The senseless man does not know, 
Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they will forever be destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, are, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversities. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. And our gospel lesson coming from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the first 16 verses, is another story of Sabbath. The psalm asks us to praise God on the Sabbath. Luke encourages us to understand the gift of the Sabbath in another way. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at the, all of them and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was immediately restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. One of the, those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, 
who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. The word of the Lord for the people of God. The musical Fiddler on the Roof opens with Treve saying, here in our little village of Antifica, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy. You might ask why we stay up there if it's so dangerous. We stay because Antivica is our home. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you with one word, tradition. Because of our traditions, we have kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Antivica, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, why did this tradition get started? I'll tell you why. I don't know. But it's tradition. And because of our traditions, everyone knows who he is and what God expects of him traditions, a customary pattern of thought, action, behavior, something we have done because we've always done it like that, even fiddling on a rooftop when it's dangerous. There's another story. It's about a parent teaching a child to prepare a holiday ham. The instruction goes like this. The first step is you cut off the ends of the ham. The child looks at the roasting pan and asks, why? Because the parent does not know why, he goes to his parent and asks, why do we cut off the ends of the ham before baking it? And because the parent does not know why, she goes to her parent and asks, why do we cut off the ends of the ham before baking it? Well, the great grandparent says, that's easy. We cut off the ends of the ham so that it will fit into the roasting pan. Traditions, a customary pattern of thought, action, behavior, Something we have done because we have always done it that way. Traditions. We love them. We hate them. We honor them. We break them. We live by them or we don't. Jesus grew up learning and honoring the traditions of his faith. Early in this gospel, we read that his parents took him to the temple 
to be circumcised, and then later to be named and dedicated to the Lord as it was written in the law. We also read that his parents followed Jewish custom as they annually went to Jerusalem for the Passover. And when Jesus was 12, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. A couple weeks ago, we read that Jesus began his ministry by attending the Sabbath meeting, as was his custom. Jesus knew and honored his traditions. So what's going on in this morning's lesson? Is Jesus disregarding the traditions of his faith? Is he ignoring that which he's been taught since childhood? Is he throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as it were? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's something else going on here. But before we really get into that, I want to take a quick aside and talk about the Sabbath commandment. The Sabbath commandment was first given at Sinai and was grounded in the Genesis story where God rested on the seventh day. And since God rested, God's people were to rest. But the Sabbath commandment can also be found in Deuteronomy, where the Sabbath commandment is tied not to Genesis, but to the people's freedom from slavery. So, so Sabbath and Sabbath traditions were to remind the people that God delivered them. Consequently, this commandment was both profound and amazing and should never be taken lightly. It honored God and what God had done in their lives. Jesus knew the traditions of the Sabbath. He faithfully observed God's Sabbath, but still, here, he was being accused of breaking the Sabbath, of breaking one of the fundamental commandments, the commandment that demonstrated how to love God, as Jesus will say in another place, with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it seems to me that since Jesus was a faithful Jew who honored the traditions of his faith, something other than simply breaking a command is happening here. Maybe, maybe because Jesus so faithfully followed the, the Sabbath command, he could see when action was called for. He could see beyond the command 
to what faithfully following Sabbath might actually entail. Maybe. Maybe just because Jesus was steeped in the traditions of his faith, he also knew that it had long been part of Jewish tradition that law could be broken in times of emergency. Maybe. Maybe Jesus understood that sometimes even well-loved traditions must change in the face of human need. Like the wonder of a Christmas Eve service with families gathered in our beautiful, beautifully decorated sanctuary and then finally processing out with candles in their hands to sing Christmas carols around the nativity, becoming a Christmas Eve Eve service on the soccer field. We all know all too well that life has changed over this last year, that some well-loved traditions we may only ever see again in the rear view mirror. So we must continually ask ourselves, what does remaining faithful to Christian traditions and practices mean for our day, mean for this day, when it seems the change is the order of the day, when it seems possible that some traditions may only be part of our past. When Jesus made sure that his disciples were fed and that the man with a withered hand was made whole. He was not disrespecting the Sabbath. He was not dishonoring the traditions that had been a source of life for him. Prim Perkins says this, Jesus does not abolish the Sabbath. Rather, he insists that the principle of doing good should govern Sabbath behavior. Jesus' operating principle was that the Sabbath was created for humanity. Sabbath was given that we might learn God's life-giving rhythm, that we might learn the unforced rhythms of grace, that we might understand that God's laws were given to the people to help them live in harmony, not simply to restrict them or limit them. The Sabbath was meant to be life-giving, grace-filled, so it was necessary to feed the hungry, even on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to be a time to savor God's goodness, to do that, to do what is good and what gives life, like giving a man his hand back so that he could live life more fully, even on the Sabbath. 
Jesus is asking us to choose between doing good and doing harm. If our actions interfere with the hungry being fed, then we are dishonoring the Sabbath. If our action or inaction means that another's well-being suffers, then we are disrespecting the Sabbath. Jesus did not dishonor the Sabbath or the traditions he lived by. He fulfilled the Sabbath tradition as he fed his disciples and helped a man with a withered hand find wholeness. While these stories do not encourage us to ignore the Sabbath and continue to live by the breakneck patterns of our world, they do remind us that the Sabbath is not an excuse to neglect matters of health and justice. In fact, the Sabbath is a time to honor God as we live out justice in this God's world. In this setting of the continuing pandemic, when change, not tradition, even well-loved tradition, seems to be the order of the day. How do we remain faithful to Christian tradition? My friends, I think Christian tradition calls us to do good and to preserve life, even if that means calling someone, sitting with someone on the Sabbath day, even if that means doing it in a new way. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Our second hymn for today is sung by Evan, and I'm lo I've lost this. Um, it, our second hymn is sung, sung by Evan, so please join him. We 
all are one in call. Our varied gifts united by Christ the Lord of all. Our, we have a, a charge for today, and that charge is to remember that we are called to follow the tradition of preserving justice and helping others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who blesses our lives this and every day. Amen.